welcome to the E-Reads Podcast, the place where I discuss books, creativity, and all things authorship. My name is Liz, and welcome to the show. Today, I learned so much from Angela as we talk about children's books. She has beautifully illustrated books for children, and I cannot wait for you to learn more about her. Angela has a psychology degree and over a decade's experience in the human services sector, with the bulk of her work experience being in Darwin. In more recent years, though, she has been working as a freelance writer and stand-up comedian in Brisbane. Angela first started writing funny little stories for her niece, but soon realized there was a bigger audience for her stories. Angela's main aim as an author is for children to laugh while they learn. Angela grew up on a farm in regional Queensland, and this experience flavors her writing for a unique storytelling experience. Well, now that you know a little bit about Angela, let's have a quick ad before we jump right into the episode. Hey, puzzle people. I am here to tell you about Wongo puzzles. They are 100% wooden puzzles. They'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in a custom wooden box that is perfect for storage and gifting. Some of the designs include animals, some that look like abstract art, buildings, nature. They have whatever you are into, so definitely check them out. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Wongo puzzles are a cut above the rest. I loved doing the snow globe puzzle myself. It was great to pull out a puzzle and be done in a night and not have it on the table for a week. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today and be sure to use the promo code EREADSPOD10 to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to W-O-N-G-O puzzles.com and use the code EREADSPOD10, that's E-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-10, to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. Welcome, Angela. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am very well. And I well, I meant to ask you this before. You are in Australia, correct? Yes, I am. In Brisbane, Queensland. Very cool. So what time, what time is it over there? It's 10 o'clock at night. Really? Yeah. It is the start of our day over here on the East Coast. <laughs> Yeah, um, with the book marketing that I do, some of the promotions I run in America and uh, I'm constantly having to convert the time um, for when things are going to get started and that sort of stuff. So, um, oh, so you're like a pro at this then. <laughs> yeah, fortunately your booking platform converts the time for me. So I didn't have to do any conversions this time around. Lovely. So <laughs> I, I, I probably will have more questions about that because that is really interesting to me. But also my bookish question for you is, so I, I recently had a friend recommend a book 
And I realized every time she recommends a book, I don't even read the reviews. I don't even read what the book is about. I just hit buy. And so my question for you is, is there a person in your life, right? Whether it's person, a family member, friend, book talk, whatever. If they recommend a book, you're buying it sight unseen. Is there anyone in your life that comes to mind? Um. I have a friend up in Darwin, which is at the top end of Australia. I used to live up there. Um, he's an environmental scientist and he's the, he's the smartest person I know. Um, and I take his recommendations on books and movies all the time. Oh, isn't it so good like to have that person, like you don't have to fact check it. You just know like this is going to be good. Well, it's that he knows me so well, so he knows what I like as well. Lovely. I love that. And I'm really excited and really interested to have you on because you publish children's books. Yeah. Um, so I've just I've just published um, yesterday another one. So that makes six now that I have on Amazon. Um, and each one gets each one gets a little better. So I self-publish. Um, do you? Okay. And uh, I do the illustrations using AI. Um, really? So, um, I mean, I get better at using the AI for the illustrations with each one. So you, you'll notice through the books a gradual improvement in the illustrations. And I'm tempted to go back and re-illustrate the earlier ones because I can do mm -hmm. such a better job of it now. Um, but the illustrations with the one that I've just released are absolutely breathtaking. It's amazing what the AI has been able to do. Oh, that is so fascinating because I, I wanted to ask you about illustration. And so when I say I dabble in AI, that is it. Like I will do like a quick little like daily prompt or like something like to play around with it. But you do full illustrations. How did that start for you? Um, so I had the children's books. I originally started off animating my stories because Yay. I have a friend who's an animator and she recommended uh, some animation software, a website that automates a lot of the animation process for you. And it's, you know, you just drag scenes and characters onto your screen and um, it all kind of gets done for you automatically. You don't have to draw anything yourself. Really? Um, uh, and so when I first started doing the children's stories, um, I started off with animating them uh, and putting them onto YouTube. Um, and I was writing as a freelancer for a company in Sydney, um, a content creation company with a comedy slant to it. Um, mm -hmm. So I was basically a comedy writer. Um, and my boss saw the animations and mm -hmm. uh, he got all excited about maybe optioning my work and there were discussions that were had, but eventually they decided it wasn't the direction they were wanting to head in and the deal didn't go through, but mm -hmm. it made me realize that my little children's stories were actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, well, I've got to monetize this somehow. And I am quite creative and artistic, but I didn't trust my own artistic talents to illustrate a children's book myself. But mm -hmm. then, you know, the AI 
apps started coming out that generate art for you. And I started playing around with them and I was like, no one, I think I can illustrate my children's books using this. And I just played around with it, illustrated one of my stories and did a pretty good job of it. And I was like, I think I can illustrate a whole book using AI. Um, and that's how it all happened. That is really interesting to me. Um, again, like there's all these different articles about the things that AI can do and to, to see and to hear about how you can use that in the creative process and how, um, you know, again, being able to fine tune it over time is very interesting. Well, I'm quite good with technology and I am very creative. So those two things combined means that I can get pretty good results from the AI. Um, I don't think just anybody could, you know, illustrate a whole children's book if they didn't know what they were doing. Oh, and I'm so proof of that. yes there there's there's a reason mine are not public <laughs> so but it, it's fascinating to again see how you you've used all your knowledge and your background to to create the these images and, yeah. yeah so um I mean I my background is I have a psychology degree and I worked in the human services sector for over a decade um, so that informs the content of my children's books. It helps me know what's appropriate to put into them um, mm -hmm. for the for the level of the children. Um, but then I'm also in the entertainment industry um, and do a lot of creative stuff. And that brings the entertainment factor into the books. Mm. And as an entertainer, you do comedy, is that correct? Yes, I do. So, um, uh, well, um, I just wrote a new joke. I don't know whether it's any good. I haven't tried it. Um, but uh, because my last book was about a bee, it's called The Busybody Bee, um, I, I got thinking about bees and I wrote a joke um, and it's I'm going to start a real estate business for bees so that I can call it let it be um, my tenants will have to beehive themselves <laughs> that is adorable I like that beehive themselves that is clever <laughs> and like so I would imagine right some comedy ends up in in your books is that correct yeah so the funniest one is the first one that I wrote um, oh, well, the first one that I published, I, I wrote more before then, but the one first one that I published uh, was called The Butterfly in the Meadow, and it's about a butterfly and a grasshopper having a conversation in a field. Um, and it takes the fact that butterflies taste with their feet, and it just has a whole heap of fun with that, and it's really quite funny. So first of all, I didn't realize butterflies taste with their feet. Um, that is interesting. Mm, yeah, kids love learning that fact too. Um, they really <laughs> engage with the learning in the book. Interesting, right? Like, it, again, it's interesting um, over here in the U.S., right? We're, we're having book bans and all of this stuff. But, you know, and 
there's so much that we learn from books. There's so much that we glean, whether it's the science, the emotional, the history. And so that it's wonderful to hear that children learn so much from your books as well as enjoying them. Yeah, I always try to put some learning into the books. Um, I initially started off researching science facts and finding science facts that I could create stories around. Um, mm. You know, science facts that were suitable at a kid's level kind of thing, like the butterflies tasting with their feet. Um, but then I ran out of suitable science facts to write stories about. So now I'm incorporating a lot of like moral lessons and stuff like that into my books. Very cool. And, you know, what is like the age range? So someone's like listening, they're like, this is like adorable. And they're, they're checking out your work. What do you say is like the age range uh, that is perfect for your stories? Uh, three to seven. Um, they're picture books um, and they're designed to be read to the children. Nice. Very cool. What helped you kind of decide on that age range or did it just kind of like happen after you thought about the story? Um, it had to do with the conversations I had with my boss when he was talking about optioning my stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I was doing the animations, the humor in my stories was targeted a little bit older because I have a niece mm-hmm. and she's 11 now and she was like, nine or eight or something when I first started writing the books and I was um the stories sorry when I first started writing the stories and I was basically writing stories that I thought she would like Mm -hmm. um and aiming the humor at her um Mm -hmm. and when my boss started talking about optioning the stories um, he said he wanted to target a younger age group and I started thinking about it and I researched it and I've gone oh yeah actually that's a better fit and I just need to you know get the content to be more suitable for that age bracket very cool very cool um and I love how again like it just kind of like grew from you know telling your niece stories to you know sharing it with the whole world and what was that experience like? So like telling stories to your niece, is that kind of like where your writing career started or did that kind of little writing bug start for them? So this all started during COVID. Um, And so I have an autoimmune condition called ankylosing spondylitis, which means that I'm autoimmune compromised or what immune compromised, Mm -hmm. sorry, is the word for it. Um, And so when COVID hit, Um, you know, I couldn't really go out and do stuff because if I got it, it would have been quite serious. Um, and so I was in my hometown, um, in regional Queensland during COVID, um, because there was less people, um, and I was more likely to survive. And so I was spending a lot of time with my family and it all just kind of happened organically is that I wasn't doing this open mic comedy that I normally do. Mm-hmm. I needed a creative outlet and these stories just started bubbling up because I was interacting with my niece. Oh, wonderful. And, and again, I'm glad that, you know, it, it grew and we all get to consume the, these wonderful stories. 
Um, Angela, if someone's listening and they're like, ah, I think I have a story that could be great for kids. What are some tips to know if this, if the story that's in your head should be designed for kids? Any tips? Um, so, I mean, there's different uh, content and length requirements for the different age groups. So I would suggest you do some reading. Um, you'll find the information on the web somewhere around the age groups and the length of the story that's appropriate for them um, and whether how illustrated those books should be, whether they should have chapters in them and that sort of stuff. So as the children get older, their their needs change. And uh, if you're thinking about going into children's writing, you really need that information. So you need to get that somewhere. Mm, kind of harkening back to college days of research and, 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 you know, building up your knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And that information is quite easy to come by. Um, you know, any of the cheap courses that you can get on like Udemy and um, mm -hmm. those sorts of platforms where they cover children's writing, they will have that information and it's quite cheap to come by. Fantastic. And um, a question about inspiration, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but for these books, the inspiration did, I know you said you draw a little bit from your history in the human services and, you know, comedy, you know, where, where would you say you get your inspiration? Is it just kind of like past experiences or, you know, is there anything that kind of triggers the inspiration for your stories? Um, with each one, it's different, but um, the first few that I published, they were very much around conversation that conversations that I'd had with my niece and I was incorporating things that she was doing in her life into the stories. So with the first one, um, the butterfly in the meadow, uh, the grasshopper has, is wearing tap dancing shoes and he asks <laughs> the butterfly if he, if she wants to go tap dancing with him and the butterfly replies, oh no, tap dancing shoes taste terrible. Um <laughs> And so my niece was taking tap dancing classes at the time and that's why I incorporated that into that story. So my niece was a big inspiration for a lot of the content of the first few stories. Listen, I, <laughs> I have some nieces. They're at that age. I think that uh, I might have to get that. I think that's stinking adorable with this butterfly and the tap dancing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, uh, you have a new customer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And um, you touched earlier about like marketing in the in the U.S. and like you know, can you share a little bit about like what's that's like you know in, in terms of like the time difference? Is that like uh, has that been easy or difficult? Has it been fun? How has marketing been? Um. Yeah. So uh, when I first release a book, I use a uh, a platform called Free Booksy, um, and I give away ebook versions of the book, um, and they have an email list that goes out to people interested in getting free books. Um, and, and you know, there's thousands of copies of my books out there at the moment through this Free Booksy platform, um, and their their start date for when 
when I offer the book for free and when the emails go out and all of that sort of stuff. That's all happening in America's time. Um, okay. And so I target those campaigns to America because it's just easier and more effective. Um, so it really depends on what kind of uh, marketing tool that I'm using, but a lot of the really good marketing tools are targeted at America. So most of my marketing actually happens in America rather than Australia. Interesting. And so listeners, you got to sign up for Angela's newsletter for all the details. And so Angela, can you share how people can connect with you? Um. I, I'm still fairly new to all of this. I'm a bit slack with social media. Um, so probably the most effective way is through Instagram. Uh, you look for Angela Greensill comic um, on Instagram and you can message me through that, that way. And I put a lot of content on the book so you can actually see a lot of the illustrations and a lot of the stories um, through the posts that I've made on Instagram, if you're curious to see the insides of the books. Um, so I would probably recommend Instagram. Very nice. So absolutely also, if you missed that, please um, check out the episode show notes where you will have all that information on how to connect to Angela. Um, Angela, before I ask my last question, any last words of inspiration for those who may be like, oh, you know, my story is not good enough. I don't know if I can be a children's book author. Where do I start with illustrations? You know, any words of advice for those listening? Um, look, it's just do it for the fun of it. Um, mm -hmm. If you're having fun with the creative process, then people will probably have fun reading what you're writing and producing so I mean I've really embraced this children's writing thing it's something that I've kind of fallen into but I absolutely love it I love writing the stories and illustrating them and putting them out there and they're actually pretty good um, that makes me feel pretty good so I yeah. get a lot of pleasure and joy out of the process so if you're not enjoying it I mean I don't really see what the point is so mm -hmm. just enjoy what you're doing yeah and you could definitely hear your passion and how much fun you're having so again um Lovely. Keep creating. I cannot wait to, to check out all of your books and <laughs> send a couple to my nieces. Um, so Angela, my last question for you is, um, I like to leave people with a prompt. It could be a word, a phrase, something for them to take the creative process and run with it and to be inspired. So whatever that is, it may be cooking, reading, gardening, writing, whatever that is. And so if you had to leave us with a word or a phrase, what would it be? Oh, goodness. You've put me on the spot, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, oh, gosh, if I, if I had time to think about it, I'd probably come up with something really profound. But um, uh, off the top of my head, it's just, you know, be happy. Um, you know, and, and that'll shine through in your work. Um, I like positive creativity. Um, the reason that John Lennon uh, got together with Yoko Ono is he went to see one of her art exhibitions and 
you had to climb up a ladder and read this tiny writing that was on the roof that was one of her uh, exhibitions, uh, one of her pieces. And when he went up there and read it, it was just yes, 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 over and over again. And he liked the positivity of it and it made him fall in love with her. And so if there's positivity in your work, you know, people will respond to that. So just be happy. I love that. So listen, y'all, if you want to hear what I do at Angela's Prompt, be happy. Stay tuned to the end of this episode and you will have that. Um, Angela, fantastic. Please, anytime you have a new book, let us know here at eReads Podcast um, and have a lovely rest of your, well, have, have a lovely night. Oh, thank you. Her son ran ahead and saw a mighty tree with a long hanging branch. He ran over to it and jumped, but he was too small and only grasped the droopy leaves. Taking the branch in his grasp, he pulled and tugged. His mother frowned and called out, be kind. He looked around and then shrugged at his mother. He thought she was speaking about a person, but she meant the tree. She called to him again, be kind to the tree, not just because it gives us air to breathe, not because it provides shade from the sun, but because it has feelings. It has wants and needs like you and me. Her son ran to his mother perplexed at her words. His mother smiled and said, look, as she pointed to the low hanging branches and curled leaves, tell me what do you think that tree wants? Her son thought about it, then answered, water. She squeezed his hand gently and said, yes, my son, it wants water. Why does it want water? Because it is thirsty, he shouted quickly. Very good. And when you swing and pull on the branches, what do you think it says? It says, ouch, like when Timmy pulls my arms. Very good, my son. But mama, I like playing on trees, he groaned. This got her to smile wider. And the trees like playing with you. But when we play, we must be respectful like you would with any other friend. Her son nodded and pondered at it a moment. So mama, does that mean I should swing but not try to break the branches? Correct, she responded. And when we're done, how do we say thank you? Like this. She turned towards the tree and demonstrated. Thank you, tree, for the shade and for being a nice playmate. I'll pray it rains soon so you won't feel thirsty. Thank you, tree, he shouted. That's my boy, his mother said, squeezing his hand. As they walked home, they occasionally paused to thank the flowers for their beauty, the air for the breeze, and everything in between for the joys it brings to their lives.